Good morning. It's good to be in Sunday school this morning. I'm going to pick up today where we left off, I guess a couple of weeks ago, where we're talking about the Shunammite woman. So if you've got your Bibles, we're in uh, 2 Kings chapter 4. Start. I'm going to read. Uh, it's uh, read verses eight through thirty-seven. It's a long passage, but it'll bring us back up to speed. It says, "And it fell on the day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where there was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said to her unto her husband, uh, Behold, now I perceive that this is an holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall." And let us set for him there a bed, and a table, and a stool, and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us, that he shall turn in thither. And it fell on a day that he came thither, and he turned into the chamber, and lay there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call the Shunammite. And when he called her, she stood before him, and he said unto, and he said unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldst thou be spoken for to the king, or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among mine own people. And he said, What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Verily she hath no child, and her husband's old. And he said, Call her. And when he called her, she stood in the door. And he said, About this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, Nay, my lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. And the woman conceived, and bare a son, at that season that Elisha had said unto her, according to the time of life. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out uh, to his father, uh, to the reapers. And he said unto his father, My head, my head. And he said to a lad, Carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. And she called unto her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It's neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, It shall be well. Then she saddled an ass and said to her servant, Drive, and go forward. Slack not thy riding for me, except I bid thee. So she went and came unto the man of God to Mount Carmel. And it came to pass, when the man of God saw her afar off, that he said to Gehazi, his servant, Behold, yonder's that Shunammite. Run now, I pray thee, to, her, to meet her. Say unto her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is well. And when she came to the man of God on the, to the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to thrust her away, and the man of God said, Let her alone. For her soul is vexed within her, and the Lord hath hid it from me, and hath not told me. Then she said, Did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, Gird up thy loins, and take my staff in thine hand, and go thy way. If thou meet any man, salute him not. And if any salute thee, answer him not again, and lay my staff upon the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And he arose and followed her. And Gehazi passed on before them, and laid the staff upon the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Wherefore he went again to meet him, and told him, saying, The child is not awaked. And when Elisha was come into the house, behold, the child was dead, and laid upon his bed. He went in, therefore, and shut the door upon them twain, and prayed unto the Lord. And he went up and lay upon the child, and put his mouth upon his mouth, and his eyes upon his eyes, and his hands upon his hands. And he stretched himself upon the child, and the flesh of the child waxed warm. 
Then he returned and walked in the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him. And the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite. So he called her. And when she was come in unto him, he said, Take up thy son. Then she went in and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground and took up her son and went out. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to be in your house this morning. Thank you for allowing us to be here to to look into this portion of Scripture. We pray, Father, that uh, during this time you you might let us uh, lay aside things that might distract us. We pray that uh, the Holy Spirit would uh, illuminate this passage of Scripture. Let us see what we need to see from it here. Let us see examples from this lady of uh, Shunem that that might uh, be helpful in our lives. And we pray that, uh, Lord, you would teach us as only you can. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So just... uh, just by way of uh, review, we've been talking uh, for several weeks about counterfeits. And so I thought it would be good to take a look at this woman of Shunem because she's anything but counterfeit in her life and her, her testimony. She's very genuine. She would, The scripture refers to her as a great woman. And, and I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that that word great in Hebrew, it could mean elderly, uh, a great woman, a, a woman of stature, so to speak. It could mean that she was wealthy. And I think there's a, you can see signs of that in the passage. Uh, they were wealthy enough that they had servants. Uh, they were wealthy enough they had um, livestock because she said, send me one of the lads or one of the servants and one of the donkeys. So apparently they had more than that. Apparently they were well off enough that they had crops. Uh, they could have been small farmers, but they had reapers in the field. Uh, they had enough that she could say, this, this man of God keeps coming by. Let's, let's have him come in and stop whenever he comes by. We'll, we'll give him something to eat, and, and we'll do better than that. Let's, let's build him a chamber where he can stop whenever he comes by. Because I, I think I mentioned before, uh, Shunem, from, it was about midway between uh, the city that Elisha was from, which was sort of to the south of them, and Mount Carmel was uh, to the north of them, and they were situated about halfway so if he was going from his hometown to, to uh, Mount Carmel, I believe, if I recall, it was somewhere close to 50 miles. And so by the time he got there on his way to Mount Carmel, he'd be tired. So she said, let's, let's just have him a place where he can sit and he can rest. We'll have a table, a chair, a bed, candlestick. He can stay overnight if he wants. We'll take care of him. So there is signs that maybe they were wealthy or at least well off. That term great, it could mean noble or of good reputation. And I think that's what we see. Uh, that she was a noble woman, that she was a woman of a good reputation. I think that's what we see here in this passage. And so uh, we were taking a look at uh, some of the things that would demonstrate her, uh, her greatness. And just by way of review, since it's been a couple of weeks, we said that the first thing that we looked at that demonstrated her greatness was her religious practices. And we saw that in verse 23, when she, when she had sent to her husband after her little boy had died, she sent to her husband and said, send me one of the one of the servants and one of the donkeys, and I'm going to saddle it up and I'm going to ride to see the man of Carmel and they'll come back. I'll be right back. And her husband's response was, uh, Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It's neither new moon nor Sabbath. And th- that indicates that her husband knew that on the new moons she was going to celebrate the, the festivals, the, the different feasts that the Jewish people had or the people of her time. And on the Sabbath, he knew that she was going to celebrate the Sabbath. But he said, this, this isn't one of those times. I, I know you're very religious, but this isn't one of those times. So he was questioning, why, why would you go to, the Mount, uh, to Mount Carmel to the, the man of God today? 
But what that what we see from that is that she her religious or her religion was very important to her, her faith and worshiping the Lord. And we would do well, I think, to imitate that dedication to regular worship and to regularly serving the Lord. And her husband recognized it in her, and we can too. A second thing that we, we saw that, uh, that demonstrated her greatness was her hospitality and her persuasive power. Because it's clear from what we saw in, uh, in the passage, she was very hospitable. When the man of God came by and his servants, she kept seeing him go back, I guess, back and forth. Maybe she could tell by the way he was dressed. Maybe he stopped and, and talked to him if they were out in the fields or something. Somehow she recognized that this was a man of God and she was hospitable enough to say, come on in and eat. And as some people, maybe not so much as Baptist preachers, but as some people might would say, no, no, I don't need anything. And we don't think of that as, as Baptist preachers, do we? Oh, yeah, you got some fried chicken? You got some tater salad? That sort of thing. But she was not only hospitable, but she was persuasive because she, she uh, what does it say? Um, I've got it here. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem. This is verse 8. Where there was a great woman and she constrained him. That's what I was looking for. She constrained him to eat bread. She's hospitable, yes. And she says, no, you come on in here. Now, we've all met people like that, right? I'm, I'm guessing now. I don't know her as well as some of you do, but I'm guessing that Miss Bessie would do that. If somebody came by and she said, come on in and get something to eat. And they said, no. She'd say, come on in here and get something to eat. Wouldn't she? And we've all known people like that. And so that's the, uh, the, the, the hospitality. So the lesson we learned there, we don't have a license to force ourselves on other people. But we ought to show our hospitality and we ought to be willing to constrain someone if it looks like they're just, no, 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 I don't want to put you out. No, come on in here. Let me be a blessing to you. Let me, let me serve you this way. As Christians, we can learn that lesson, can't we? A third thing we looked at was her perception. Verse 9, she said unto her husband, Behold, I perceive that this is an holy man of God which passeth by us continually. It indicated to us there that she paid attention to people around her. She paid attention to this man that kept coming by. The lesson, or what we see there that demonstrates her greatness, is she wasn't preoccupied with herself. And so many people in the society we live in, and possibly the society she lived in at that time, they are very much preoccupied with themselves. And the lesson that we learn is we need to not do that, right? Because uh, we need to be paying attention to other people uh, and not be too busy because we are not called as Christians particularly to be the center of our own universe. And there's way too many people that think they are. And, and some of them, unfortunately, are Christians. They look at me. I'm important. Do what I want you to do. Do it now because that's when I want you to do it. And they'll throw a tantrum if things don't revolve around them. Well, that's not who this lady was. She paid attention to the man of God. And then made the, the money that they spent uh, feeding him or building this uh, room for him, she could have done that. They, that money could have been used for something for her. She could have said, yeah, I've been eyeing this new dress over here at Ishmael's department store, and I think I want to go over there and get it. But it, it wasn't that. She, she looked at his needs. She paid attention to him. So she was a woman of perception. And we would do well to, to copy that uh, lesson for us, to, to, to try and emulate that level of greatness, I suppose, to pay attention to the needs of other people. A fourth thing we looked at was her generosity. Uh, verse 10, she said, Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall. Let us set, up, uh, set uh, for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick. And then whenever he comes by, he can turn in thither. She wasn't just satisfied with... Um, 
providing meals for him or food for him when he came by or just a drink of water or come on in and sit down a while. She wanted to take that further. Uh, she wanted to be generous and give him his own space. She recognized he's a man of God. Maybe he needs a, a place where he can rest, where he can uh, rest from his ministrations of people. I don't know exactly what he did on Mount Carmel. We know what Elijah did on Mount Carmel. That's where he had the contest with the prophets of Baal. So you get the impression maybe that Elisha, following Elijah, maybe he set up a time there where he could counsel people or he could help meet the needs or he could lead people in worship or read the scriptures to them. And maybe on his way home she saw, yeah, he needs a place where he can rest, where he can just unwind, where he can meditate on the Word of God, where he can pray. And so she was generous and said, let's, let's give this to him. Let's give it. And we see it was, uh, she asked her husband, let's put it on, on the wall. The idea there, commentators tell us, is it meant on top of the wall, on top of the house. It would have been a much coveted place where it would have been quiet, it would have been peaceful. In the evenings, it would have been cool. Up there, they could, they could have gotten a good breeze and all of this. So she was generous in doing that. And uh, the lesson for us is that we can, we can certainly be, learn to be more generous with people, can't we, as Christians? We can show them, we can share with them what God has done for us. Then we talked about her, her satisfaction with what she had. Because after she had, she had done all of this, she had shown this kindness, Elisha said, what can we do for her? There's got to be something. And so they, he called her in. It says, and it fell on a day that he came thither. This is verse 11. He turned into the chamber and lay there, and he told Gehazi his servant, Call the Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him, and he said, he said unto him, uh, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What's to be done for thee? Wouldst thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And we saw that simple answer. She, she answered, I dwell among my own people. It's, it's kind of a cryptic response. We're reading it in English as we do, but what, what does she mean? I dwell among my own people. He would have seen that, right? We, I know you dwell among your people. But it seems like what she's saying is, I'm satisfied living here among my people. I don't, I don't need anything else. I'm not looking for anything else. I don't, I don't need to be introduced to the king. I don't need you to share my name with him. I, I don't need you to do any name dropping for me among the, the members of high society. I'm, I'm fine right here. And I certainly don't need you to, uh, to mention my name to the captain of the host. I don't need any kind of special military protection. God takes care of our needs here. He always has. And so I'm satisfied with what I've got. Isn't that amazing? That, that she would uh, exhibit that level of satisfaction with God's provision and for God's protection. She didn't need the provision that a king could give her and any kind of wealth. And she didn't need the protection that the king's army could give because she had God doing that. And so she's satisfied with what she had. And when we start thinking about, okay, what can we learn from that? Wouldn't it be great if every Christian you knew, including ourselves, were fully satisfied with what God had given us? The Apostle Paul, he captured that for us in Philippians 4.11 when he said, I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Contentment, Scripture says, Godliness with contentment is great gain, and it really is, if we can learn to be content. But, you know, we live in a, in a society that doesn't want us to be content with anything. Just look at any, any kind of commercial or advertising in print or hear it on the radio or whatever. It's, you got to have this. This is the latest, greatest gizmo, and it's going to make your life just so much better. And 
for little children. We hit them really early, don't we? You've got to have this new doll or this new little car. And of course, forget the fact that batteries are sold separately. And batteries will run out very quickly. And you're going to continue to feed this thing batteries from now on. And so it, it puts us in a place where we're never satisfied with what we have. Because if the little if the little toy gizmo or the little kitchen gadget or the little special tool that we have, the electric screwdriver, if the batteries don't work, well, then we're not satisfied all over again, are we? we got to go get the new batteries. And the next generation of it, or next year, we're going to go from the 14.7 volt power screwdriver to the 20 volt. And then next year, just in time for Christmas giving, we're going to have the 38 volt version of it. So you've got to have a new one. And none of them, they're not interchangeable. And so we're living in that society where it tells us don't ever be satisfied with anything. But this lady says, no, I live among my own people. I'm satisfied. I don't need anything. Her, the simple answer was, can I do something for you? And her simple, very, the, on the simplest plane, her answer was, nope. The Lord's given me all I need, and that's I'm, I'm fine. So that's, we can learn lessons from things like that, can't we? Then we learned about our self-control. Verses uh, starting in verse 18 tells us about the little boy when the child was grown and fell on a day that he went out to his father to the reapers, and he said unto his father, My head, my head. And he said to a lad, Carry him to his mother. When he taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon, and she died, or then he died. I'm sorry. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door and went out. Can you imagine that level of self-control that she had, her little boy, that she thought she was never going to get because her husband was too old. God had given her this son, and now, just when he's gotten old enough, he can get up and move around and be out in the field watching his dad with the reapers. He dies. And there's no anger on her part. There's no, she's not falling apart at all. She's not... She's not cursing God. There doesn't seem to be any kind of a rage over this personal loss. She just takes him up, lays him on Elisha's bed, closes the door, and sends a message to her husband, I need, I need, a, I need a donkey and I need a guy to go with me. I'm going to go see the, the man of God. And her husband says, what's wrong? And her response is, it's all right. Everything's going to be fine. And when she meets Gehazi on the way to Elisha, and he's, or, and, or Elisha says, what's wrong? Oh, it's, everything's fine. Peace. Everything's going to be well because I know that God can take care of this problem. That, that's just an incredible uh, level of, of self-control, isn't it? Because she believed that God could, the same God who gave her that little boy could bring him back to her. That's faith, isn't it? And we can all learn from that. When it seems like the, the, the whole world around us is going completely haywire, we can say God's in control. He brought me here and he can bring me out of this. Uh, through the whatever the quagmire, the, the maze we're in, he can bring us out of it. And then the last thing that we looked at uh, a couple of weeks ago was her earnestness. Um, verse, starting in verse 22, and she called her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses, that I may run to the man of God and come again. She was earnest in her faith that God could take care of this problem. And she believed that the man of God could help her. Because he's the one who had helped her up to this point. He's the one who gave her God's promise. You're going to have a son about this time, uh, according to the time of life. So her first thought was to see God's intervention and to do it quickly. She said, I, I'm going to take this to, to God right now. Now, in her case, she knew it had to be quickly. Because in that climate, especially during uh, harvest time, a dead body is not going to be good. 
uh, for very long, is it? It's going to decay. Is going to set in very quickly. So she saw a, a very earnest need. I've got to take this problem to the man of God because he'll tell me what to do. And so that, and we see that as a lesson for us when calamity strikes. Our first thought ought to be to take it to the Lord, shouldn't it? Our first thought should not be the wringing of the hands. Let's see, I'm going to do this. What, what, what's going to, what do I have here in my house or within my means that can fix this problem? But that's what we normally do, isn't it? We try to look for the solution ourselves. She said, I'm going to take this to the man of God. I'm going to do it quickly. So that, that's an earnestness in her faith that we saw. So that's a, that's a somewhat lengthy, I guess, review, but it brings us up to where we are today. Uh, the next thing we see that, that demonstrates the greatness of this woman is her faith in God. Look at verse uh, 25. So she went and came unto the man of God to Mount Carmel. And it came to pass, when the man of God saw her afar off, that he said to Gehazi, his servant, Behold, yonder is that Shunammite. He recognized her. He's, he knows this woman by now. So he sees her afar off, and he says, This is that Shunammite. Run now, he says, I pray thee, to meet her, and say unto her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is well. That term, it is well, uh, those three words in English are a translation of the Hebrew word shalom, peace. He says, Is it well? Is everything okay? Peace. Everything is well. I'm at peace. God has got this problem under control. He brought me here. He'll bring me out of it. And so she just says, it is well. That's kind of unbelievable, isn't it? Even in that time of trouble that God led her to that level of peace, He can do it for us. And, and probably each one of us here is probably can, can say we've experienced that at one point or another, that level of, of God's peace because it's not an inner peace. I don't have that kind of peace. And you know, just left to myself. When, when disaster strikes, I could if God left me alone to my own devices, I'd be in a heap of trouble. We'll just put it that way, as all of us would. But he's able to give us what the scriptures refer to as a peace that passes all understanding. And someone could say, and I've had people ask me this when, when things were going bad, how, how in the world can you be so calm? I can't be this calm unless God gives me this level of calmness, but he has given me a peace about it. And I don't have to worry about it. She firmly believed that God could work through Elisha to bring her little boy back just the way God worked through Elisha to tell her she was going to have this little boy. She believed that with all her heart. Now, what's, what a lesson do we get from that as Christians? Of all the people in the world, Christians ought to be the ones that, that demonstrate that level of peace every day of our lives. We can only do that because we're praying, because we are we have that right relationship with the Lord. We know that the Lord Jesus Christ has saved us and He's committed Himself to meeting our needs. And so we can take our problems to Him and we can know that He wants to hear them. Because He says, "Come, you can bring your requests boldly before the throne of God. And it's as though when we pray, we are entering into His throne room. That's, a, that's an incredible honor, isn't it? It's an incredible benefit that we have. And, and people who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, they don't have that level of peace. And we can try to explain it to them, but they don't always get it. They, they, they just, you get that deer in the headlights look when you try to explain them what the peace of God is because words really don't explain it well enough, do they? We, we can try to tell them how we have that peace, but only God can show them that peace when they know the Lord Jesus Christ. I may have shared this with you before, but back in uh, 2008, late in, in that year, 
I got laid off from my, my job. It was about a week or so before Christmas was my last day, which is the way it often happens, right? And, and so I came home, and all our girls were still living at home then. And so we, we got to got in the car that evening, and we rode to Greensboro. And we thought, well, we're just going to get something to eat. We're not destitute yet, you know. So we're going to get something to eat. We had some more Christmas shopping that we needed to do. And we went in a store, and I don't remember what store it was. But we're walking through it. It had home goods kind of things. I don't think it was Home Depot. I think it was a different one. But I saw this sign. It's about this big and about this high. And it says, faith is not believing God can. It is knowing that he will. That sign came home with me that night, and it's still hanging in our den because that's what that's what this woman demonstrated here, isn't it? It wasn't just that she believed that God could meet her need; she knew that God would meet her need. That because He always had, and so that's what took her. That faith in God is what took her to Elisha, and that's what should uh, that's the lesson that we should take uh, from this woman's uh, greatness, isn't it? That we should take our problems directly to the Lord. A ninth item uh, that we can see in this passage that demonstrates uh, the greatness of this woman is her persistence. Look in verse 27 again. And when she came to the man of God to the hills, she caught him by the feet. But God, he came near to thrust her away. And the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her. And the Lord hath hid it from me, and hath not told me. Then she said, Did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, Gird up thy loins, and take, thy, take my staff in thine hand, and go thy way. If thou meet any man, salute him not. And if any salute thee, answer him not again. And lay my staff upon the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And he arose and followed her. We see her uh, persistence in the, in the life of this woman. She knew that Elisha was God's man. She had witnessed God working through him before. She had heard him speak. She had watched him demonstrate his faith. He had promised you're going to have a son. When she would have thought, no, that's not, that's just not going to happen. She had gotten that little boy and she had witnessed time after time after time God working through him. And now, because she trusted him as a man of God, she decided, I'm going to stay with you. You're the one I trust. Elisha had said, Gehazi, take my staff and go. Uh, God didn't show this to me ahead of time, but that little boy has died. I want you to take my staff, lay it on him. And she said, that's all well and good, but I'm staying with you. Your servant, I've seen him. He comes with you. He stays with you. He seems like a nice enough guy, but you're the prophet of God, and you're the one I want to stay with. I trust you. And so we see that, that persistence, and Elisha responded to that persistence. He said, okay, I'll come with you. I'll follow you. You lead the way, and I'll go. Gehazi went on before him and did exactly what Elisha told him to do. But Elisha said, yes, I'll come with you. That is a picture of the Lord answering our prayers, isn't it? When we persist in prayer. Yeah, I've I've heard some people say, and and I can't fault them in this. Uh, I think I've mentioned once before uh, someone who lived back in, I can't remember whether it was the 1500s or the 1700s. They called him Brother Lawrence. And it's been said of him that when he had a problem, that he would take it to the Lord in prayer, and then he would go about his business. And, and if anyone mentioned to him, well, what are you doing about that problem? Well, I'm not doing anything about it. I left it with the Lord. He'll, he'll take care of it. And, he, and it, it's been said that he just never would bother himself with it after that anymore. 
that's that's good. That's all well and good. But some of us don't maybe have that level of faith, and we take our prayers to the Lord repeatedly, don't we? And He never complains. He doesn't say, "Stop it! I don't hear that anymore." He He delights in hearing our prayers, just like an earthly father would would delight in hearing what his little boy or his little girl had to say to him. They He wants to hear. Our God wants to hear. And so Elisha pictures that she's persistent. I won't leave you until this problem is solved because you're the man of God. When we take our problems to the Lord, we, it's as though we grip His feet, so to speak, in prayer and say, I won't leave until you, until you give me the comfort and the peace, until the need is met, and as only you can meet it. And God never, uh, He's never offended at that. And that's a lesson that we can learn. He, he's not offended when we come to it persistently in prayer. Um, I think the uh, technical term for that is importunate prayer, if I'm not mistaken. It's just you're constantly you're bringing that before the Lord. Now, in the case of Paul, you know, Paul was he had a, a thorn in the flesh, and he prayed for God. And he said he prayed that God would remove that thorn three times, and, and finally the Lord revealed to him, don't, don't pray for that anymore. I'm going to leave that there. I'm not going to take it away but my grace is sufficient for you. And sometimes the Lord may tell us that. And as we pray, as we bring something to Him, time and again, He may say, okay, I'm going to leave that there, but my grace is sufficient. I'll see you through this. He could have done that to that lady there that day, but the choice that He made was, I'm going to bring that little boy back to life. I'm going to show you that your faith has been honored. I'm going to show you that I still love you and that I will make provision for your needs. And that when you told Elisha that you didn't need anything from the king or from the King's army, you were right. You didn't need them. I'm all you need, and I'll meet your needs. And so the, the Lord did that for her. And I think He does that for us, too. So it's her persistence and her faith uh, that we see there, that we can learn from. A tenth thing that helps to uh, demonstrate the greatness of this woman of Shunem was her waiting uh, for God's answer. Look at uh, verse 32 again. And when Elisha was come into the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. He went in therefore and shut the door upon them twain and prayed unto the Lord. And he went up and lay upon the child, put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes and his hands upon his hands. And he stretched himself upon the child and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Then he returned and walked in the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him. And the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. I want you to see it's not in the verbs here. We read it between the lines, so to speak. But look at that lady's patience in waiting for God to work. I don't know how long it took for Elisha to do all of what he did. Uh, putting himself upon that little child and, and he saw no results. And then he got up and it says he walked around a bit in the house. I'm sure he was praying the whole time. Lord, I don't know what to do. I've done everything I know to do. My, playing my staff on him didn't help. Uh, laying hands on him. None of that seems to have helped. Lord, only you can do this. But this is taking time. And here's a mother whose child is dead. And we see incredible patience because what we don't see is her pushing her way into that room because Elisha said he went into that room or the scripture says Elisha went into the room and he closed the door upon them twain. Elisha and the dead little boy are the only two in this room. The mother is outside. She's not banging on the door. She's not saying, let me in. What are you doing? Why aren't you doing this? If you did, if you laid your staff on him a different way, it might help a little better. If you prayed this way, it might help. Nothing like that. We just see an incredible amount of patience as this woman is waiting for God's answer. 
She's letting Elisha do what Elisha feels the Lord wants him to do. Most of us, I think, would have no idea how difficult that would have been for that, that mother to be out there just waiting. That's an incredible amount of trust in the man of God, isn't it? And in the power of God. And I'm, I'm sure that we've already seen her husband had asked her, what's wrong? Why are you going to see the man of God? Everything's okay. I'm going to go see the man of God. I'll be right back. It won't take long. And when Elisha says, what's wrong? Are you okay? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? What was her answer? Shalom. Peace. Everything's okay. My stepfather had a saying. I may have shared this with you. And it was, the main thing is, don't get excited. And that's kind of a good way to live, to a certain extent, isn't it? This woman is, uh, the main thing is don't get excited because Elisha's here. Elisha is God's man. And I can wait for, for the Lord to work through it. No matter how difficult that might have been. What do we learn from that as Christians? Sometimes we simply have to step back and let God do His thing, so to speak. And He will do His thing and He will do it far better than, I, than any of us could do. We can't, He doesn't need our help. He never has. God doesn't. And, and that's something that, you know, when we're talking about how this, this woman, she, she didn't consider herself to be the center of her own universe. She, she recognized that other people had needs. Well, part of that recognition is we have to recognize God doesn't need us for anything. He created us for His pleasure. He created us to worship Him. But He doesn't need our help with anything. And so we can take our problems and we can to Him, to the throne of grace, and we can leave them there and we can wait patiently and then see God work for us. So that's a lesson we can learn there. A final thing that I think we can see here, and there may be other things that I'm missing, but we see the thing that, that helps demonstrate the greatness of this woman is her gratitude. Verse 36, And he called Gehazi and said, this is after the little boy has, has come back to life, he called Gehazi and said, Call the Shunammite. So he called her. And when she was come in unto him, he said, Take up thy son. Then she went in and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground and took up her son and went out. She did not just take this gift that God had given her, the restoration of the life of her son. She didn't take it for granted, did she? We're told that she, she fell at Elisha's feet and she bowed. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, this is a picture of more than just bowing to a man. She's bowing to the God that man served. She is worshiping God. Now, Eli, she couldn't see God, but she could see Elisha, the prophet of God. And she bowed herself, and she, she shows her gratitude. I don't for a minute believe she's worshiping Elisha. She's worshiping the God he served. And she is showing that thankfulness. She recognized that the power of life and death, it came from Almighty God. And so she's showing that gratitude. And she bowed before him. The lesson for us. And then, then it says that she took up her son and she went out. Isn't that great? There's no. It's amazing when you see in portions of Scripture where God has done greatness and people see that, they accept that God has done this for me. And then she took her son up and she went out. And they went about life. They went about the things they were doing a few hours earlier before the little boy started crying that his head was bothering him, and then he died. They went on with life. What's the lesson that we learn as Christians? We, we, we have to learn that we never take God's gifts for us, God's working in our lives for granted. We always show that thankfulness. We ought to follow her example. And when God has done something for us, we worship Him. 
we give him the thanksgiving that he is uh, deserving of because of the things he's done for us. We adore him, don't we, in our, in our worship. That's the example that we take from this woman. And then we do like she did. We take the gift that he's given us and we go on and we work with it. With it, We use that gift for his glory. You can imagine that lady, we'll just use our sanctified imaginations. I'm sure that lady taught her son as he grew older. You died one day. You were out in the field with your dad. That's where it happened. But you're alive now, and you're alive by the power of God. That is after she told him, we didn't think we'd ever have a child, but God sent you to us. He gave you a gift. Don't forget that. Don't forget that God brought you back from the dead. He must have something He wants you to do. And you serve Him for the rest of your life. I can almost imagine her being like Hannah when she brought her little boy to Eli the prophet and said, I want to leave him here. I'm giving him to God. Teach him to be a priest. Teach him to serve the Lord. I can imagine her doing that same thing for her son. She took that gift that God had given her and then she went to work. Now this lady, again, we're not told what her name was. Nowhere in Scripture are we told what her name was. I think that's good because that means she can represent any one of us. And all of us can learn from her, her character traits. She, there was no counterfeit behavior in her. Even when, when tragedy struck, she still demonstrated the faith that she had toward God. Her faith in God held firm, and her behavior clearly demonstrated that faith. That's what we have to learn as Christians, isn't it? That not only should we have the faith, but every bit of our behavior ought to demonstrate our faith. Every word we speak, every action or every reaction. Sometimes our reactions will get us in worse trouble than our actions. When something happens we weren't expecting and then boom, we just blow up or, or whatever. It's uh, Robin was telling me last night, uh, uh, she was mentioning someone who had Tourette's. And it's almost like that. Well, that, that just explodes sometimes when you don't expect it. Well, sometimes Christian behavior will do that. Uh, something will, will catch us off guard and our behavior is like just this explosive bad behavior. Now, we, as Christians, we need to demonstrate that, God, that we are God's children, and we're going to live it like it, shouldn't we, every day of our lives. We ought to try to, to demonstrate uh, greatness in our lives, not to be noticed, by the way, by the people around us. That's not why we, we would incorporate any of these godly character traits, not so people would notice us, not so people would praise us or that we would get credit for it or that someone would drop our name in front of, a, of an influential person, as in this case, Elisha said, I can, I can drop your name to the king or to the captain of the host. It was no. You don't need to do that. Because the thing, when we live our lives in a way that serves God, it's not so we'll get credit. It's because we love our Lord and we want Him to be glorified by our behavior. That's why we do it, isn't it? So I hope this has been helpful to, to see these character traits. I think that... Uh, Looking in the Old Testament, some of the, the folks that cross its pages, we can learn a lot there from there. I uh, Years ago, we went to church with an elder gentleman, and he truly had this, this belief that there was no reason for Christians to, to study the Old Testament. He said, we all, we're living in an age of grace. We're living in the Christian era. We, we just need the New Testament. And I thought, how sad. There's so much we can learn from these folks that the Lord cross, uh, allows us to cross our path paths in the pages of the Old Testament. So I hope this has been helpful. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to study this passage of Scripture. We thank you for the testimony of this woman of Shunem, where she's referred to simply as the Shunemite woman. And Father, we thank you for 
the, she's referred to as, as um, a great woman. And we've looked at some of the things that, uh, that demonstrated the, the greatness in her life. And we pray that you'd help us to incorporate these character traits in our lives as much as we can. We pray the Holy Spirit would lead us to do that. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to have the faith, the patience, uh, the, the dedication to recognizing the needs of other people, the hospitality to help meet those needs, all of these characteristics, that, Lord, you would uh, bring those into our lives. Help us to recognize uh, the people around us and what they need, and help us to recognize that, uh, Lord, you've, you've saved us to be servants, and we pray that we might do that in a way that glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. Work through us, we pray, Father. Thank you for... Uh, allowing us to be here. We pray for the 11 o'clock service that, uh, Lord, you'd be with us in that uh, time as well. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.